and welcome to this episode of First Touch. I am Nate Canan here alongside with Tyler Dennison Brook. How's it going? Why why did you use my middle name, man? Like well, that was unnecessary. No one needs to know that terrible terrible <laughs> middle name. You know, I, oh. I just keeping it lively, learning new things about all of us here. We're we're 20 episodes into this podcast. It's a milestone and I figured that was just something that everyone needed to know is what your middle name is. At least it's not like some basic white boy like middle name. It's something unique, but it's just like the lamest unique middle name you could have. Your name is very unique. My name, my middle name is definitely just the most generic Wait, what would you just say? The generic white boy name? My name is Nathan Allen Canan. Allen, like that's, yeah. Allen is the most cookie cutter, just generic white boy name that you can get. Uh, granted, it's my dad's. So it's the same middle name as my dad's. Yeah, I mean, same. Our, the Denison name goes back. Actually, yeah, here's a fun little f- fun fact about Tyler. The Denison name goes back to William Denison, who was the former governor of Ohio and the postmaster general of, for Abraham Lincoln. And it's fun fact that the only other postmaster general I know about is the one in the current administration. Literally, I had not heard about that title since my ancestry. Much love to the postmaster general, especially in 2020. Am I right? That's so timely. And I just pulled that out of nowhere. I'm glad that we kind of got this like ding, 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 full circle moment right now. Well, yeah, uh, this will be the last episode we ever talk about my middle name. All right, moving on, moving on. What, what? What 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 have you been up to, Nate? Yeah, so uh, apologies for the to all of our lovely FTFC members out there and listeners that we did not have an episode last week. I that had to make an emergency trip back home to Pennsylvania. My mom had a uh, surgery. Don't worry, guys, everything's fine. She just had to uh, get her gallbladder removed. Pretty simple surgery, but needed a little extra assistance around the house during the recovery and obviously, you know, you know COVID and whatnot. So want to make sure that everyone's safe and taken care of. So I was back in my little hometown of Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania, super small town outside of Pittsburgh. It was really interesting being back home for me, uh, Tyler, I know you're in Indiana right now. Uh, another Where's Waldo moment for Where's Tyler. Of course you're in Indiana. But at least for me, it, considering that it's such a rural town and in contrast of being in the city – Enduring, like, you know, considering everything that went on last week with the national election and just conversations in general was just kind of, you know, surreal for me to take a pause. I wasn't working. I was at home. So I was literally doing nothing but just watching the news, helping, you know, my family out and just having a lot of just personal time to reflect. I um, went on a run through my town one day. After I, I just needed to get out of the house. I, I helped. Um, I went over to my grandparents. I helped rake up some of her leaves. I, this is such a city boy thing to admit, but I have not done like lawn work in years, and I forgot how <laughs> like labor intensive that that could be. Um, but yeah, like I went on a run, and it takes you through a, a pretty scenic part where you're next to like some train tracks, and then it gets to. It's called, I think, the. Appalachian Coke and Coal Trail, something like that. It's it's relatively new, I think like within the last 10 years to my little town. But it actually goes past a very important part of my childhood. And if I didn't have 
this particular part of my childhood, I probably wouldn't be talking to all of you great listeners out here right now. This new path runs past my old uh, soccer fields from like, uh, like what is that called? Like peewee soccer days. And I, I, could, I took some pictures and I could throw some up on the Instagram if you guys want to see what it looks like. But I don't know. It, it was just a moment like being where I am in my life now and I probably haven't been to that part of town in years you know since I I went to college at the age of 17 and there was really no reason for me to ever go back to that particular spot and just how you know like things aren't really going on because it's COVID it's just not really kept a and with that being said I can say that the fields weren't that great to begin with everything was kind of just the field was not flat. It was curvy. Things are grown over. The concession stand could definitely use a paint job. I don't know. It was it was just a just an odd place to be. You, you ever kind of have moments like that, Tyler? Yeah, this feels like that. Like you're setting up for like some movie. You know, where like the main character is like walking by an old childhood thing, and obviously to show that time has passed, it's all overgrown and everything. So now I'm waiting for like a wise mentor from like your childhood to just show up. You're going to be in like, a, like this is the movie. Like, you know, just you're having, walking out of the woods or something. Yeah. Like you're in like the low point of the movie and things are about to be turned around. Cause some wise old man from your childhood shows up. This, this is just what this sounds like, but I guess there is a field in Zionsville, Indiana. I drive by occasionally. It's always pretty active though. I mean, Indiana doesn't give a shit about COVID unfortunately. So you know, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I do know for a fact that like all the sporting events are still going on everywhere. There's still sporting events going on in my hometown too. I just think that nothing was going on with this because it was just the the kids' field. It's used literally for nothing else. I think the last time I played on that field, I was like 12 years old. There's two fields. The way that it's set is like there's a smaller one for like the like under eight year olds half the size of a regular field and then you have the full 100 yards field on the um other end they're basically right next to each other separated by a concession stand in the middle and they're just chain link fence uh together you, you kind of don't realize in the moment where you are and where you come from and you kind of think that's like the center of the universe especially being in like sports in general right like that's the thing that I know you played football growing up and you also played rugby as well as, and you know, I played rugby in college too. And that's really the only thing that you're focusing on when you're in the moment is what exactly is happening in that game. And that's the most important thing in the world to you. And just to kind of see it in this state, I think is that like wise wizard moment. Maybe, maybe that's me. And again, like I'm from a very rural place and it's right next to like this, you know, nature trail and, there's other things by it too, which is pretty wooded. And there's uh, several like streams that we used to, you know, like water sources that after the games, you know, we were kids and we would just be walking in the woods with our, you know, what, what are those like little, oh my goodness, those little goodie bags that they would give you after the games, you know, with the Capri Suns or the, those little, those like barrels of just sugar juice water you know what i'm talking about you've you've lost me (laughs) you know you walk okay maybe that was just me but i i I do think that there's other people that could know what i'm talking about to your point where sports are still going on there was one night when i was home and i was like what in the hell is going on i even went on facebook because i just wanted to see if there was something 
uh, to make sense of this, there was just sirens going on like crazy, like police sirens just wailing and fire trucks like that long horn sound. Again, not to get political in this, but you've heard you know terrible stories of like there's going to be conflict out there, and it was like is something happening? But it was completely fine. I did not know this, and this was a great fun fact for me to hear. My high school soccer team, the the very team that I played for, the Mount Pleasant Area Vikings, was actually having a send off parade to play in the semifinals of the, you know, the, 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 the regional soccer tournament or the, the, just the whippeals, I think it's called. So like the little area County, you know, semifinal playoffs, which was great. When I was playing, we never made it to the semifinals. I know we did. Um, we won the championship a few times in the past, but I think this was probably the closest the team has come to actually getting that championship again. It was great to hear that. And my, co- my coach is still the coach of the team this day, Floyd Snyder, huge shout out to him. He's also a science teacher in the school itself. I did find out that they got their ass whooped though. It was like seven to one. So still got some work to do, but don't worry. Mount Pleasant area, Viking boys, you'll get it one day and just keep up the good work. What a journey it was for you, Nate. That sounds like a lot of, uh, you know, at least you stayed on brand. You were around a lot of soccer uh, while back home. Uh, but obviously, why don't we talk about, you know, the soccer that our listeners, you know, you know, care deeply about. We got a pretty exciting episode coming up little uh united states men's national team preview yeah we figured that we would dedicate this episode to the international break that's coming up and good opportunity to talk about the future of united states men's national soccer right this is the second time that the team will be in action this year the last game was back in february been relatively silent since then i know since the restart of soccer in general there has been europe international breaks and they've still been playing throughout parts of covid here in the united states we have not so this will be a good opportunity we'll talk a little bit about some new faces some players to watch a little history around them as as well as covering uh, just some history of the managers as well we got two games coming up against panama and wales we'll talk a little bit about that team as well Aside from that, of course, we're going to have around the net talk, some great quotes to dissect this week. You're going to want to hear them. I know our last episode, we covered some great Zlatan quotes, and we're going to have, of course, the pub of the week close us out here. First off, before we get into anything, I think it's a good time to talk about our fantasy Premier League. Shout out to everyone that's been playing. We're up to like, I think we have just under 100 people, which has been awesome. But shout out to Ben Poor. He is number one in the league right now with 519 points. And it's weird with how many people we don't know personally in this league. Ben is a guy that we actually know. Been to that man's wedding. I was at his bachelor party. He is my old roommate. It is so weird just to see Ben, of all people, in number one right now. So shout out to him, 519 points, current leader. We should be covering our fantasy leagues a little bit more. I love giving shout outs to all you guys out there listening. Huge shout out to Ben holding it down at number one. Seems like you know what you're talking about. In terms of where Tyler and I are sitting at right now, we're top 50, and I feel good about this. Again, this is my first time around. I don't know how you feel, Tyler, where you're sitting at. You're above me right now. You're 33rd in our 
league and you have 466 points, I'm coming in at uh, 46 with 449. And hell, I forgot to set my line twice so far uh, during the match weeks. And, you know, that's embarrassing where I'm not being strategic. I'm just letting things sit. I definitely could have made some key moves in certain places. And because I didn't do that, I'm where I'm at now. I am very happy to be on the, in the top 50 percentile right now, considering that this is my first go around at anything fantasy in general. Yeah, I'm not thrilled with where I'm at, man. Like the fact that you're only 21 points behind me and have forgotten to set it twice is a little frustrating. See, what what's the issue with me is like my lineups themselves have been great. Like I think they've been very solid. But I've had the worst luck with the captains, right? You know, the players that give you double points. Literally, it seems like every week I pick the wrong guy. Outside of week one where I picked Salah and he scored a hat trick. Like, every other week, it's been like, you know how you pick your captain and your vice captain? My vice captain always scores like three goals or two goals. And then I'm just sitting there like, well, I feel like an asshole. All right, sick. As someone that's new to this, I do think that the picking of the captain is something that is very interesting. Something that I probably spend too much time thinking about every week. Um, and I also think that we should probably take some time in the coming weeks. Maybe we'll end up doing this next week, but we should bring Drew and Freddie back on, kind of doing a quarter season pause and you know talk a little bit about what's gone on so far, what we expect to happen in the future, because there has been some unexpected things happening so far this year. I think we could probably dissect and talk a little bit further about Trent Alexander-Arnold, who's doing absolutely nothing in fantasy. Um, I know I would like to talk a little bit more about uh, Hung-Ming Sun. I was frustrated that I took him out of my lineup at one point in time, only to have him come back and just completely kill it. And now he's in the contention for the Golden Boot this season. So I think it would probably be worth covering in the coming weeks. And you know, stay tuned, FTFC listeners. We'll give you another fantasy episode here. Can't wait for that. And we will definitely try and get Drew and Freddie back on. Uh, they're doing pretty well as well. I believe Drew might be top 10 in our league. Freddie is sandwiched in between me and Nate in the standings. Uh, we'll provide an update again uh, heading into that episode. Can't wait for it. Uh, looking forward to having them back on. But why don't we shift gears here? I'm just going to say, if I can finish above Freddie, I feel like I did this. Not because <laughs> of him personally, but if I if I just f- finish ahead of one of you guys and Freddie is the closest person to me, I, I'm going to feel like I won, even though I'm going to be like in 30th. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, man. I will, I will pull for you. Just, you know, th- it will be personal for me if you beat Freddie. It'll just feel good. <laughs> but let's, let's go ahead and shift gears here. I know for an American soccer podcast, we talk so much about all the leagues overseas. So how great is it that with this international break, we finally get a chance to talk about Team USA. For the first time in this podcast, we actually get to see some US M&T action. It's about time that we bring it home. Again, 20 episodes of really trying to bring the American perspective to the world's game here. And this is going to be our first chance to really go into and see what this team can do moving forward. And I think what we should kind of do here is, is just start talking about the management because I think the management is what is going to be key here aside from the players as well. Who is the current manager of the United States men's national team, Tyler? That is none other than Greg Berhalter. And obviously over the past few years, there's there's been a lot of inconsistency at the manager position, right? Like ever since Jurgen Klinsmann's left, it's been, you know, back and forth. This is still a relatively new move. Uh, He took over as the American manager in December of 2018. Uh, So far, they've done pretty well. 
they are posting a winning percentage of over 63% for the time being, but then again, he's also managed fewer than 20 games. One thing that I found interesting is that apparently he resides in Lakeview, Chicago. So, like, he is Tyler and I's neighbor. Let's go! I'll be real here. I didn't know what he looked like. When I found this out, I immediately Googled what he looked like so that every time I'm at Trader Joe's, I can see if he's there. You know, like he's probably so he probably lives like there's a, there's a weird street of just really nice houses not too far from our apartment. I'm going to start knocking on doors being like, hey, Greg, is that you? We're looking for Greg. Can you come out on the podcast and talk with us? It, it is great that he lives in Lakeview. I know it's just such a nice neighborhood. So it makes sense that, you know, the manager of the U.S. national team would be around here. The hub of United States men's national soccer is actually in the South Loop in Chicago. So it makes sense that he would have some sort of residency around here if he needs to like ever go into that office space. One thing that I thought was really interesting though, too, is like, even though that he's only been the gaffer for two years now, he's actually the longest standing manager since uh, Klinsman was removed of that position. We kind of cycle people out within the past couple of years. Things really haven't been clicking and working. Hopefully with this more experienced team and not having necessarily the more nepotism approach with the Bradleys, we might see some serious momentum in the international game. I did want to point out one more thing before we move on to the players. I would definitely say this guy's qualified, right? I think it's interesting looking at his playing career, you know, especially early on in the previous days, like Americans making a name overseas was kind of rare, right? But, you know, prior to managing, he was actually a defender in both the MLS and Germany. And Germany is actually where he got his start. Uh, One thing he's actually really known for, which I think is awesome, he was actually the captain for a team called uh, Energy Cottbus, and I probably butchered that pronunciation. Uh, But when he was captain, he actually helped that team get promoted back into the Bundesliga. And I just think that's an awesome story. I think that's the kind of thing you want out of a manager is someone that could lead a team into promotion. So I don't know. I think it's still too early to tell if he's the right man. You know, I like that story. I We can do nothing but root for him, right? Absolutely. And that story, like tenacity is the name of the game on the international level, at least for the United States men's national team, right? They just don't really seem to have the click or the drive in some key areas. And I think that what you point out in the terms of bringing a team to promotion from that second uh, tier stature up to a, you know, a higher league level. He knows what it takes to fight tooth and nail to achieve a goal. And right now it's just sad that on the international level, we get happy when we just qualify for the world cup. There is no reason why the United States team should not be a world cup contender. We, we have the possibilities. And I think that it's still a little too early, like you said, to tell if he's going to be the right person for the job, but hopefully we have the right players around for him to manage as well. And we might actually have that. We might be able to make some serious moves within the next few years to make a real go for the next world cup. Um, I think with that being said, we should probably switch gears to who is in this new roster. They released their roster for these two friendlies. Again, not a lot is at stake here. They're just friendly international matches, but they did release the roster about six days ago at the time of recording this podcast. And there are some notable names on this roster, as well as some names that I was shocked to see that were not on this list. Obviously, it's worth noting that for these friendlies, like this United States roster isn't final forever, right? Like this roster will change the next time they reconvene. So it is a good barometer as far as like who we could see end up playing significant roles, especially when we start qualifying for the World Cup qualifier. 
you know, this is a show with limited time and we're not experts on some of these younger, like really obscure guys. So, you know, we're going to take some time to highlight some of the bigger names, you know, for these casual fans, just so you guys know who you should be watching when we play. And we highly encourage you to watch these games. I in particular think Thursday's match against Wales is going to be awesome. But why don't we go ahead and get into these, starting with a couple names that we've already talked about on this podcast. We've already talked about Christian Pulisic and Tyler Adams before. Uh, the two of the brightest young stars with so much potential for this team. Unfortunately, it's unclear right now if Pulisic will be fit enough to play after having a pre-match hamstring injury before Chelsea's Burnley match. And... Tyler Adams also has been dealing with some back and knee issues himself. So if they're fit enough to go, we'll see if they end up making the full 90 minutes, even if they play at all. The other big name to keep an eye on as far as like the big stars at the club is Weston McKinney. You know, obviously he recently signed with Juventus. He's gotten to spend a lot of time with the great Ronaldo. Unfortunately, that has also meant that he recently had a positive COVID test that has kept him off the field for quite a bit of time. Um, there was actually worry that Juventus was not going to allow McKinney to travel to the United States uh, with the rising cases of COVID. Understandably, with Ronaldo getting sick, they've been very reluctant about letting people go internationally. But McKinney is coming to the United States. He will be suiting up, uh, and he likely will be taking on a bigger role with the club this time around. Not to say that he's ever played poorly. Uh, when he's played for the national team, he, he has stepped up. He has played very well. He is definitely one of the big names to keep an eye on, especially if Pulisic can't play. He's been one of the more consistent players for this United States men's side. His career is only just beginning. He's one of the younger members of this team as well. And just by having the experience of playing with Juventus, who has won Syria time and time again, again, it's that mentality of knowing what it takes to win, I think can only help mesh with the rest of the the chemistry of the United States men's team. Let's shift gears from one goat to another, right? Let's talk about two American players that are getting some time playing with Lionel Messi over at Barcelona. Serginho Dest and Conrad De La Fuente. Both of them have been seeing some playing time for Barcelona and getting to play alongside Messi. De La Fuente has only played in some, I believe, preseason matches, but he has been listed on the roster on the bench. Like they, you know, they think very highly of this kid as well. Uh, Dest is only 20 years old and Conrad is only 19. So again, the fact that they've been listed on the roster, that Dest is getting consistent playing time, the fact that these guys are around the club and seeing first team minutes, things like that, like this is just great for U.S. soccer. Um, regardless of the current state of management in Barcelona, obviously there's been so much drama surrounding Messi, having the experience to play with considered the greatest of all time. Uh, it just has to be a big win. Uh, you know that you're expected to win, and you should learn to, have to play alongside superior talent and against superior talent. And let's shift focus now to our netminder, Zach Stefan. He's been solid within his international career. He has six clean sheets within his 17 appearances with the United States men's national side. He is actually the backup goalie at Manchester City. And he's also from Coatesville, Pennsylvania. He's 25 years old. His career is actually a really fun one to see. He went to the University of Maryland, and he actually played briefly with the Pittsburgh River Hounds back in 2016. We had Then he shifted over to the MLS, played with the Columbus crew for a short amount of time, and then he moved over to Manchester not too long ago back in 2019. I'm really expecting some big things to come from him within the next few years. I think he could be you know, another household name like we have of the previous netminder, Tim Howard now, who is a commentator on Peacock. Yeah, that's been really cool to see. But as far as the player I'm most excited to see in this international break, 
I don't think it's even close personally. And it's going to be the soon to be adult Giovanni Reina who turns 18 years old on Friday. So happy early birthday to Gio. He is obviously the son of American legend, Claudio Reina. Um, he's actually started to find his groove with Borussia Dortmund and has been a regular starter for the club. Uh, again, he's just doing all this at only 17 years old in 12 matches across all competitions this year. He's already logged two goals and five assists. Uh, the big thing that stood out with me whenever I've watched him, his chemistry with their superstar Erling Haaland has been outstanding. So this is a really big moment for him. He will be making his senior side debut for the United States this week. I, I cannot wait. I think he could be a superstar in the making. These are the big names that we personally wanted to talk about here on our podcast. And in just a kind of summarizing all of this together, Tyler, I just got to say there's two things that really stand out to me in what we just covered, right? Experience and youth. And when you have those two together, that gets me excited. You literally just talked about someone that is becoming an adult on Friday, turning 18, that is already <laughs> doing great things, right? That is amazing. Just the fact that we have people now that are just at the brink of becoming a player, already getting the experience, making great things happen with their own individual careers that is only going to hopefully mesh and continue on within this international play together. We could have a solid United States men's side for many, many years to come if we continue this experience with youth mindset that we have currently. It's weird that we're talking about three players who cannot drink legally and the fact that all of them are significantly younger than us. I think Stefan is the oldest and he's 25. So all of these kids are younger than us. Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. The fact that they are younger and even if they are less experienced, they are getting time in big moments. Like we saw Tyler Adams score a goal in the Champions League. It is, it's really exciting to see. But I think one of the bigger stories is the one of the omissions on the roster. Michael Bradley is not on the roster. That's that's what you're referring to, right? Does that mean that the, the Bradley years are officially behind us? Uh, for those of you who might not know, Bob Bradley was the manager of the United States men's team from 2006 to 2011. His son, Michael Bradley, was named permanent captain to the team for the last five years. Michael Bradley is now 33 years old and playing currently with Toronto FC in the MLS. I have my own opinions about Michael Bradley, and I, don't, you know, we're an American podcast. I don't want to be too harsh, but the fact that he was the son of the manager, it just every time I think about it, I just think that there was definitely some nepotism involved. It is. I think this is a big moment as far as like you can start to see the passing of the torch, right? Bradley's definitely on the older side now, and we're moving on toward all these super young kids that are super talented. So I just think this is a statement, the fact that we're not seeing him there anymore. The team has just felt so stagnant for so long. That run when Dempsey was behind the, the captain's armband, that was what I was really excited about. Bradley is a strong force and figure within American soccer. He's a homegrown person through and through, made his career with the MLS. I understand and respect what he's doing on the same level of like what Landon Donovan's career is like. And I have nothing but utmost respect for that person as well. Any person that holds the the captain's armband to my team is is going to get a nod to me. But you're right. It could be 
that time for the torch to just move to the younger generation of American players. Well, the good news is we're going to see a lot of these young players this week. So why don't we go ahead and move to the competition, starting with the one I'm far more excited about in Wales. Um, This, again, just one of the more meaningful friendlies in my eyes in recent memory. We've talked all about this experience, this youth. This is a chance for us to see what they're made of against some pretty formidable competition. This is actually just the second time ever that these two teams have ever met. The United States won this previous meeting on a 2-0 victory back in 2003, thanks to goals from Landon Donovan and Eddie Lewis. The match Thursday was actually supposed to take place way back in March prior to the pandemic. And of course, something that I just have to bring up here is that we're going to see a couple of Tottenham players, right? We have Ben Davies and Gareth Bale. Bale's expected to be fit enough to play, so we might see him in action during this match. Both of those are pretty exciting, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I couldn't help myself, but I have to mention a couple of players with Liverpool ties also on the Welsh squad. Uh, we do have the young lad Nico Williams. He is a backup fullback for the club. Uh, he hasn't played particularly well when out there and replacing a guy like Trent. I'm not thrilled if he's going to be replacing Trent for the next month, but that's besides the point. It's a good opportunity for him. The other one I thought was really interesting was Harry Wilson. Wilson has been technically with Liverpool for, I think, like five years at this point, but he's always on loan. He is currently out on loan to Cardiff City, been loaned to multiple clubs over the years. They still hold the rights to him, though, Liverpool do. He's a solid player. I think they just kind of want to see what happens. He is getting older at this point, but it's someone they just want to keep an eye on. I just had to give my Liverpool Liverpool ties as well, since you mentioned your Tottenham players. I think that this is also another temperature check for this Welsh team. They have experience from all age ranges. Who knows if Bale will make the next World Cup squad for them if they end up qualifying for the tournament. They have some things to work out the same way that the United States team does as well. And this could be a real gauge at how talented the United States men's national team squad is, right? Still so young. And a lot of these kids have really gotten some meaningful game experiences on these massive stages. So we'll see what they're made of when this game happens. Moving on to the Panama match, not nearly as much to talk about here. It's just they don't have the level of players that Wales do. Uh, still worth a look. If That would be a great one to get a convincing win in. Um, but, you know, they have some players who've come in and out of the MLS over the years. <laughs> one player to mention is Fidel Escobar, who is a defender on the New York Red Bulls. You know, again, this should be one that we should win pretty handily, right, Nate? Anything can happen, right? We have seen our odds fall to teams like this in the past. And it's kind of like being in one of those hurtful, abusive relationships, right? You're like, uh, you're going to be a little hesitant. Like, my, my emotions are so invested into this team and the fact that we lost the teams like this that were on the same kind of playing level and skill that kept us out of qualifying from the from the last World Cup. It, it's still giving me doubts that we can really mesh together. But again, we talked about the levels of experience and the players that we have representing the United States right now. And it does give me more optimism than not. So I I do expect us to win, but I'm going to put an asterisk on it because, again, it's football and anything can happen in football. Yeah, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Again, I'm excited at any rate. This is the first time that we'll get to see the guys since February. Just a lot's happened since then. It's been such a long journey. And the fact that we are now on episode 20 of this podcast and we have not had any matches yet just says a lot about how crazy this time has been so can't wait really looking forward to it 
it would be awesome to see if we just could just start kicking some ass. Nothing would make me happier. And I think that for all of the FTFC listeners out there, regardless of whatever allegiances you have to your European teams, I bet that this is one team that we can all rally behind together to really, you know, really support. And the next time that I can just be in a public place and do that, I believe that we will win chant. I'm going to get goosebumps and chills. That is my favorite thing hands down in all of sports fandom. Well, that's our U.S. men's national team preview. Again, can't wait for that. I think it's time to shift gears again and do our weekly recurring segments of Around the Net, just finding some stuff that we found on the internet we wanted to talk about. Uh, Nate, I got to start off with this one. Uh, I sent you to this earlier this morning. I absolutely died about it. Yeah, I love hearing some more Serie A news. Yeah, I think we need to be better about getting hyped up about Serie A. I mean, this league's been a lot of fun. We started following it a lot more closely. Uh, it's still hard for Borelli to convince us to follow the Bundesliga. I think now, more than anything, it's just out of, like, spite, right? Like, I can't watch it just because I'm like, no, fuck Borelli. <laughs> it really does come down to some spite. I know that there's some FTFC listeners out there that are diehard Bundesliga fans. We'll come around. We'll give it a chance. But you just got to understand, when you when one of the person you talk to almost on a daily basis is as annoying as Bundesliga Borelli. It's going to turn you away from it a bit. <laughs> it's been exciting seeing the American players like Adams and Reina out there. So, you know, maybe I'll, uh, just because he's a Bayern fan, maybe I'll just start rooting for Dortmund just to make him upset. That would sound pretty fun. Uh, but back to Serie A, uh, talking about Napoli manager, uh, Gennaro Gattuso. Uh, he went off on this question a reporter asked this week. Basically, he was just asked, like, what would he say if someone told him that Napoli were title contenders this year? He literally, his response was, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I just, I don't really get the whole hostility there. It's such a funny response. I love the blunt and directness. That's, we have too much tiptoeing around of emotions sometimes in these press conferences. And when you can see that real human reaction, I, I love it. I love it. But, you know, Napoli is a team that could do something if they really just made it work, right? We saw them win a trophy last year. What's holding them back right now? I think his old mindset is just don't give my players thoughts in their heads. They got to focus on the games so they don't want to think about anything until the season's over, which I get. But I just now know that if I ever somehow met this man, I would never try to piss him off. That's just a, that's an intimidating response to that. Definitely don't want to piss that guy off if he's going to talk like that directly to a reporter. Another quick note, this is this is just a short one, but we did see that Ansu Fati, uh, Barcelona's wonder kid who's been playing so well lately, uh, is going to be out for four months. Uh, just wanted to take a quick moment to wish him well, to get well soon. It's been really cool seeing someone at Barcelona really just you know come alive. He's so young, potentially the eventual successor to Messi as far as just his play. So get well soon. Uh, it's been fun watching him play. I couldn't agree more when someone's out injured, especially these kinds of injuries that leave them sidelined for several months and crucial points in their careers when they're young. You really do hate to see that. And I, I really do just wish not only a speedy recovery for him, but anyone else uh, that is in these kinds of situations. Again, regardless of whatever your allegiances are if you hate that team these are all still people at the end of the day and i i have a hard time wishing anybody ill will 
and hopefully he just has a speedy recovery so we can see some more you know, incredible things that come from such a young player. I want to move on now to talk about somebody that we talk a lot about in this podcast. We already talked about him today. I'm referencing the Welshman, Gareth Bale. I'm going to phrase this as bargain bin Bale. And what I mean by that is there's reports that Tottenham could actually make Gareth Bale a permanent move from his loan from Real Madrid for as low as as low as $15 million. Now, that might sound a lot to you and I, but we know how much this player was worth when Tottenham originally sold him to Real Madrid. We covered that in a previous pitch profile. Highly recommend that you go back and listen to that. It was record-breaking at the time. Real Madrid officials have indicated that they believe that after the progress that he's been making with the Tottenham team, that he would not want to return to Madrid. Also, I can't really blame him. Spurs built, and I'm not kidding on this, they specifically built a golf area at their training grounds for the players. Let's be real here. They just did that for Gareth Bale. There is no other reason to build a golf site for their players other than to appease Gareth Bale. And who's you can't you can't blame him. Like that's going to be such a great story for Tottenham history for years and years to come. Bring a player back to a place that he can comfortably retire and hopefully, you know, do something amazing. Give him that that chance to retire at the team that, you know, helped build him to the player that he eventually became. I understand that Real Madrid is where he really popped off and where he won things, but he would not have had the opportunity to be there if it wasn't for the time and the effort that Tottenham originally gave him in the early parts of his career. Only thing that's missing now is a trophy, right, Nate? And it's going to come at the time of this recording, second in the Premier League, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, 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 that'll change soon. Whatever, we don't have to talk about that. Anyway... Uh, I think we just have one thing left to cover, Nate, and that's everyone's favorite, the Pub of the Week. Pub of the Week. Pub of the Week. Maybe I should work on these jingles a little bit more. It's been a while since I did a jingle. What Can we do a... I, I want a slam poetry jingle. I don't know why, but it just feels like it'd be good. You mean like something like this? Let me hit you. Harp music. This is a seven-day, 365, turn around the sun, one week, one pub, one pub, one public house, one beer, one team, one goal, one vision, the pub of the week. Not quite what you were looking for. Ooh, I got some snaps. I got some finger snaps. Okay, there we go. Give me some snaps. I think I grew a, a, a black turtleneck on my body while I was talking. So it was weird. <laughs> Shout out to FTFC member Natalie over in Washington, D.C. Love the submissions. Again, everybody, feel free to hit us up with submissions on our Instagram as well as our Twitter of the places that you love watching the beautiful game at. Need to give some love to all these businesses in the hard time. She is shouting out the Irish Channel Restaurant and Pub. This is located at 500 H Street Northwest in Washington, D.C. This is a family-owned tavern with a classic Irish and Cajun dishes. Quite a combo. They have sidewalk seating and occasional live music. This is actually the home of the DC Spurs supporters. 
and the owner, Tom Stack, who hails from County Cork in Ireland, claims the pub has a wonderful character that will make you feel just like you're in Dublin. And thanks again to Natalie for that submission. And again, if you find yourself over in Washington, D.C. at the Irish Channel Restaurant and Pub, let them know what the FTFC sent you. Uh, so with that being said, that's all I got here today, Tyler. Anything else to report on your end? Nope. We'll leave it the same way we leave it every week and saying that there is no room for racism. <laughs> <laughs>